A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Welcome to this week's episode of the Nero Show, your home of unfiltered cycling chat. Can't be wireless product release. We take a deep dive into the coverage and our thoughts on it. Campy's product release has us delving deep down conspiracy corner. Envy Malay, why did it flop so bad? Is your coach killing local racing? And apologies for the audio quality in today's episode. A gremlin did sneak their way into this recording. We have solved the issue for future episodes, but unfortunately, it's stuck around for this one. All right, let's get into it. So Campy have launched their super record group set, the wireless super record groups. And I saw you got into a little bit of to and fro on some uh, social media platforms, but I wanted to start with not necessarily the product, but like how this product was launched. And I want to ask you the question, how did you experience the launch of this product? Yep. Probably one of the first launches we've done as people who, I guess, analyze how this stuff sort of works. So I woke up, opened the phone. First place I saw it, YouTube. YouTube homepage. It was a, a gain. It was a, it was a Charlie Carbs and Cycling overview of it. And then homepage was the Dave Arthur. It was all YouTube. That was pretty much it. I watched those, get a general overview of it. And then nothing on Instagram, interestingly. Usually if there's a release, someone's put it in their story or something like that. So nothing on Instagram. And then Twitter is where um, the cycling media articles get fed to me. So I saw it on Twitter after, but really YouTube central for me. What about you? Um, a text from, from Jesse Coyle, but um, <laughs> yeah, cause you're going straight onto it. But yeah, for me, that's, that's the sort of way that I, in, look, I, I am biased in the sense that I don't have any subscriptions to any of the kind of magazine type things, but the way I definitely um, experienced it first was on YouTube. But this is sort of what I want to get into because this just seems, and maybe we disagree, but this just seemed really weird from the offset, okay? So, the the videos I watched, so I watched Dave Arthur's video, I watched the Cycling Weekly video, and then I watched the Bike Radar video, mm-hmm. okay? They were the three in, the, in that order. And the Dave Arthur one, this, just, this to me was just odd, because it was probably the biggest product launch, especially in my world. I'm a hands down campy fanboy probably when we started riding when you met me i was probably riding the campy group set at the time massive fanboy right so this is a big deal for me and it's a dave arthur video of him at a at his local bike shop with like the the shop bike that they had that had campy on and look he did a it got me excited like it got got all the sort of bits and pieces done on it but that was the first one. Mm-hmm. Then I went to the Cycling Weekly video, and it's a guy talking to camera about his experience riding it the other week where they kind of let him out for 40Ks to do a little ride of it, and he was sort of going off on it from that perspective. And then the Bike Rider one was similar. It was, it was a guy talking to camera about someone just doing reading the press release, but then kind of giving a second-hand thought of second-hand thoughts of his mate who had been at the event writing it and the oh so and so thought this so and so thought that it just what, what were you expecting okay Is well that weird uh, yes for me that's weird I'm a, and and I don't know it's a good thing or a bad thing but like the chat we had with Jeff about the Cannondale Lab 71 big press junket in they all go here we are, here we are we're riding it here's here's all the bikes all together and the information seemed really scant as well. So, you know, we weren't given really any weights. It didn't seem as though any of the the guys who were given opportunity to ride this were really given much hands-on opportunity mm-hmm. with the 
with the group set either. Mm-hmm. The last thing I'll say is, so the way timing works in this country anyway, so I woke up this morning to the GCN video. Now, at the time, there was no GCN video, yeah. which I thought was super weird because when you deal with, there was obviously an embargo on this, and like anytime you see an embargo, it's like the minute the embargo drops, all the videos just suddenly hit. Like tech world are great for this. Mm. And no GCN video. And I put it in our show notes. I was like, why is GCN not doing a video about this? Yeah. Wake up this morning, GCN videos live. And again, it was super weird. It was the Ollie had been given the bike to ride for 40Ks. He, you know, he, he did his press release stuff, which is all fine, but it kind of it kind of sense like they turned up to the campy warehouse and were like, oh, we'll just take this thing out for a spin, shall we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. See you in, see you in a couple of hours. All right, bye. It, Why yeah. do you think they were late? What, what? The editing took long or did they say something they weren't supposed to and had to go back to the production room? What's That's, that's potentially the case. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. It seems really weird that they were, what, 20 hours behind everyone yep. else? Yep. Strange one, isn't yep. it? Yeah. Very, very weird. And, and given this event occurred a while ago, seemingly... At least last week, mm-hmm. from what I can kind of gather between reading between the lines of it. So, what are people saying then? What's or should we start? What do you think of it? The you, you've watched the videos, you've gotten a a grasp on it. What do you? Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Can can we talk a bit about? I just want to keep talking a little bit about the launch of it. All right, because you got all shitty on Twitter uh, about Shane Miller saying that the launch was underwhelming. Yeah. So. There was so Shane Miller said that he was surprised at the lack. He said lack of coverage of it, and I just I, I didn't I don't understand the lack of coverage. It was all over my YouTube feed. Every online cycling magazine website had done an article on it. I just didn't understand what he was getting at uh, with that. So that's why I responded to that tweet saying, you know, in my online space, this is everywhere. Yeah, uh, the way it's been covered, as you said, is quite strange in that. They've seemingly only got it for an hour, but the coverage I thought was pretty good. Um, the only space it was lacking was on Instagram. And if it's lacking on Instagram, it, it means people don't have their hands on it because I only follow individuals on Instagram. So the influencers and the usual, the pros or whoever else usually get it are obviously not getting it in their hands because I don't, I didn't see it on, on Instagram. I don't follow like cycling weekly on Instagram. Okay. So that was... I get that, but I didn't understand. I thought the coverage was good overall. Yeah. Well, I, I potentially think that might just be his bubble being the written media thing was not as, I suppose, the big press releasey stuff didn't seem to be as as in your face as as a shrine. As like, I don't know, mate. I Googled Campanello Wireless and it's this yeah. eight different news articles on it. I, I, yeah. I don't, yeah. didn't quite understand. Fair enough. But even just the launch of it, I don't know, the timing was weird. You know, a group set like this normally gets pushed up right close next to the Tour de France. I was going to go, I was, do you reckon they're not going close to the Tour because there's too much competition around releases? Isn't this a good time? Giro's over, nothing really else to talk about. Let's launch the product now so we're not fighting with all the other stuff that gets media attention at the Tour. No, no. I think, I mean, this this should be the biggest release it should be the biggest release okay the only thing that would probably be bigger would be a specialized sl8 i reckon that's your tier of of how important this this is and we'll get on to the product itself but like it again is just really weird that we haven't had the oh did you see uh greg van arbemart riding the the new white like there'd, there'd be that leaking stuff coming out so clearly They've locked all that down. Or my thoughts that the team don't want to ride it, potentially. Is it mate, is it not in production? Yep. Y- yes. Could be, could it, be the case. Can you I mean yeah. what was was there a did you see any release dates? Is this no. thing available to buy? This well, this comes back to the thing about how weird this launch is. Like it's it's the laziest launch, and I'll use that word a lot in the next 30 minutes. It's the laziest launch. I think I've ever seen. It's like, right. no, here's the, here's the idea of a group set. Meh. What do you think? Yeah. It's like, it, it, to me, it's almost like the the L2 electronic one where Joe just went to that island in China and they filmed it for an hour and that's it. It's so, very similar. Twitter's, uh, Campag's own Twitter feed hasn't 
to, to date when we're recording this hasn't posted about it. Really? Their last post was about Eckhart. Oh, okay. That's just strange. It's just oh. yet the the campy YouTube channel has released the sort of the um, promo video. Right. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Just it's like oh did did anyone put it out on Twitter? Oh shit, we forgot. Uh anyway, I don't know. Maybe maybe it was the same guy who was operating the Jiro Twitter account at the time. Um. All right. So that's kind of the launch. Which mm-hmm. what I could well, actually last thing on the launch. Did you watch the Cycling Weekly one. Yeah, I watched it after you said go and watch, go and watch this. Uh, what what's your what was the problem? With the cycling I, Weekly. I, wow, like he he just trashed it. Absolutely trashed it. Yeah. Um, from beginning to end, he he has a very um nice tone about the way he presents stuff, and it's normally you kind of think, oh, this is going to be fluff, but it wasn't fluff. He basically said it looks like shit and doesn't shift. So yeah, is it okay? <laughs> Isn't that a good thing? Oh, it's brilliant. Haven't we been critical of oh. those media outlets for not being critical enough? 100%. Um, absolutely, totally agree. But I'm going to get onto this a little bit later because I think, like, criticizing... Well, campy, let's go there now. All right, let's go there now. Criticizing campy is... It's an easy target. So by that, I mean you kind of come across as being, you know... Um, really authentic and honest whereas it's a it's an easy target because they don't really matter and yep. and the people okay so the people who who are the the diehard campy fans are probably kind of shitty at the group set anyway because they would have re- would have much preferred it to be a mechanical ring break version in the first place yeah so to just trash it is I'm totally hear what you're saying. Yes, it's great that we're we're all we're beyond this kind of Did, thing. But is it maybe also because Canby don't seem to spend as much money on the marketing, so the the journalists are less scared to say anything too critical because you know you're going to really go hard on Shram, probably not because you don't bite the hand that feeds you. But Canby, ah, well, they don't show much love for us anyway, so let's just <laughs> kick him. I mean, I think the things that they said were valid. Um, but you're thinking, geez, if, if that was another brand, would they be, would they go as hard? Yeah. I think there's something in, there's something in that. Like if, yeah. if, if you're in a magazine or something like that and you're relying on Campy's releases to, you know, maintain your magazine, it's not going to go well for you. They release something every decade. So that's, that's not good. But if, if you, you, you know, you keep SRAM on board, they're releasing something every six months. Yep. And it creates buzz, and it's it's they do a great job putting it out. You know, you're not going to bite that hand as yeah. much as you're going to bite a campy hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, in terms of the other the other reviews, the Dave Arthur video was true Dave Arthur form, and that's why I guess that's why I like what he does is you're not expecting that. So you went to the Dave Arthur video knowing you were just going to get what is this thing, and you didn't get that. Yeah, the Cycling Weekly one was sort of out of characterly critical, I would say, from the yeah. rest of this. It, it, you got in, you got into the second half of that video, and you're like, "Whoa, whoa, what? A- <laughs> he he it doesn't shift? Like what? Yeah. Well, let's um. Can we go into the actual product? What yes. do we What do we think? What's What's our takeaways? Can you start this, Jesse? Um, oh, I just feel like it was, I'm so I mean, hurt it was, by this. It was not very good. So. We just, yeah, it's going to sound very hypocritical for us to bash Cycling Weekly for criticizing it and then we come on and criticize it. I'm not bashing Cycling Weekly. I'm just saying it's an easy People target. Like, okay. Campy's camp an that. easy target. That's yeah. literally all I'm saying. Um, I mean, you could, you got some things here. I mean, the, the, the one thing that stood out for me was, correct me if I'm wrong, 750 kilometer battery life. 750K. Uh, the shifting. See, uh, that can't be right. No, I don't think that's right because I saw some other stuff where they were saying that the the power the battery life is comparable to to Shram and Shimano. So I feel like that's a weird number. And they also kind of said like that's got to be seven hundred and fifty k's of hard riding. 
You, what is seven hundred fifty k is like a big training. Can't week. ride hard. How, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm on a seven hundred and fifty k. Yeah, what? Yeah, uh, that's so. That, if that's true, that's terrible. Who wants to charge their derailleur batteries every you know week and a half? That's that's yeah. yeah. And in the in the the world of aren't we all doing ultra distance events that take three days now? Yeah. So you know, there you go. You have to take a. That was the one that stood out for me. What 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 do you got? All right, let's go. Let's go through this. Um, okay, now I want to start with a positive. Well, no positive. Yeah, I have to try. I have to try because I don't want to. Yeah. So uh, this might sound stupid, but an on-off switch is kind of nice. I do feel like there is a use case for that, especially the travel thing. Turning the whole system off is is very very good, and I, I had it on that the FSA group set. Yep. And it actually does kind of, it, it, it's quite good sort of mentally. It's like, oh, okay, finish my ride, turn it off. Yeah. It, it works and it kind of keeps you in tune with like how much battery life you got. Anyway, uh, there we go. An off for, button. An off button. Sheesh. We've come so to about, about for three minutes. There you go. All right. What else? Um, so no D-fly button. So no, no button on top of the hoods. I mean, that's. That's why there's a wireless group set. A wireless group set is designed for lots of different shifting options. You know, friggin' satellite shifters on your helmet, like anywhere, yep. everywhere. That's the whole point of a wireless thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, shifting on your on your watch. No, no shift, no option to have that is just completely bizarre. Mm-hmm. Okay. The rear mech is. I'm being surprised by the reaction to this because everyone's criticizing the front mech. I just think the rear mech is ridiculous. It looks like it's the biggest booty I've ever seen on anything. And it's completely out of shape with the way the bike should look because because the chain sets and the cranks have become smaller due to the bizarro SRAM modified sort of ratios. That, that derailleur now is massive. And looks about the same size as the crank set, mm-hmm. which again just looks completely, from a design aesthetic, completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, where am I going to go with this? Okay, the thumb shifter. That's one that, yeah. Okay, I'm calling bullshit on this. So, oh, we, we did it because to get ourselves more, we, we, we surveyed some people and they don't like thumb shifter. Fuck off. What are you talking about? Campy's selling point is the bang, 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 bang. That's the best part of it. Mm-hmm. So the real reason they didn't do it, production. Has to be. Has to be production. So these things, Campy, don't own their own factories. So they might assemble the products in a Campy factory, but they don't actually make the product in a factory. So what are you doing? You're going to a factory in China and saying, make a stuff. What's a cheaper thing to do? Make a something that is basically very, very similar to every other electronic group set out there with the everything on the brake lever or let's make a whole new mold and everything a whole new production suite for a little thumb shift but they already the weird thing on that is twofold firstly campy have never been shy of high manufacturing costs look at that crank set the way that thing goes together with the teeth and i mean that thing's cost a fortune to make and also they already had an electronic shifting thumb shifter so maybe they had to change factories and their new factory wasn't willing to or it was too hard to do that but they already because they already had the the electronic thumb and the mechanics of it would be very very different with a with a wireless setup that's that's wired in there so i I can't i can imagine the changes that they would have had to make there taking that to a factory and it is a smaller shifter too physically so maybe yeah it could they couldn't fit it into that smaller smaller body but yeah the thumb shifter what the thumb shifter was what made campy campy. I've used the thumb shifter. Love it. It's, it love or hate it, I loved it. It was cool. And now you've just got this r- really expensive Shimano thing. It's, it doesn't make any sense why they would have gotten rid of that. While we're, yeah. while we're going down Conspiracy Corner, I'm going to throw mm-hmm. a conspiracy theory into why we now have a 10-tooth. Um, so <laughs> it, is, uh, it is not... Uh, Pedaling efficiency, I, yeah. I do believe. It very much comes back to the fact that we now... We, so obviously, they're stuck with a 12-speed 12, 12 group set. Yep. And the patents that exist around Shimano and their uh, rear derailleur are really based on an 11-up 
um, arc or parallel, whatever you want to call it, of shift. And so the only way Campy are around working around that is to change that arc and bring in the tent and tooth sprocket. I okay, maybe I haven't researched the patents to confirm whether that's true or not. I would say though the the ten tooth gets an unnecessary amount of hate. So the people that are against the ten tooth say, well, it's so inefficient because the chain's so tight. But like a, the average punter is probably never even using the ten tooth in the big ring anyway. And if they are, do they care if they're losing a watt or a couple of watts? No. I mean. How f- if you're pedaling even in the 11 or 12 in the big ring, you're going 55 plus K an hour anyway. So this hating on the 10 tooth because it's inefficient, I think is totally misplaced. Yeah. Not, uh... And the 10, if you use it for a minute on a ride, as you go on a downhill, sure, have it. But it's never really getting that much use anyway. Have you seen the picture of the... like? That just comes back to the aesthetic, and it matters because it's yeah, can't be. I know right. what you're going to say. Like you yeah. see that you see that derailer in the ten tooth, yeah. And on those tiny um, chain rings now, it just looks like it's all like it's really tucked up. Yeah, it's really yeah. And it just over and like overplays the size of the derailer now. The derailer looks bigger than the like the rear wheel. It's fake news because no one's using the ten. No one's right. Who's doing? 400 watts at 60k an hour no one so it, it's it's a bit if you're racing you have bigger chain rings anyway so the a 5311 is fine i i don't see it i it's i i think it's just there so they can say oh we cover the same range of gears i don't think it's actually intended to be useful to anyone well that's okay that's probably the last question uh just, sorry i feel like i'm i'm not down no i am down actually yeah my last question is oh, like it is this like is is it relevant? Like, well, let's well let's just go into the price. Oh yeah. So the price you've put in here in our notes five thousand Australian. Wow. Yeah, that's... You, you it's not five thousand Australian, Chris. So you were shocked at that. It's eight thousand. It's it's five thousand four hundred US. Yep. Which no, is no, no. eight thousand three hundred. <laughs> <laughs> what is the what are we? I don't even So I, I wrote down there that 2020. Yeah. We raced the first year's continental team. We raced on a mixture of Campy Record and Campy Chorus Mechanical. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, team won a lot of races, was a really, really outstanding group set. And that group set cost, now we got like a, a a wholesale-ish discount, basically a bulk buying discount, was eleven hundred Australian dollars. Eleven hundred Australian dollars for a fully functioning race group set. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's where we are now. It is. It. it, it yeah. Well, I. 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 Let's go because I said this a few months ago. In that the these people that are willing to spend $30,000 These people, Larry, you said it. These, these people, people. These COVID babies COVID willing babies. to spend $30,000 on a bike are killing the the value range, the mid-range. And I, 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 unfortunately, I really feel like this is another step away from the mid-range. When, you, when there's people out there and the brand see people spending $8,000 Australian dollars on a group set, that's just dragging you further and further away from a good value 105 level group set and it's really it's i said it before and i think i can't help but feel this is really going further away um if we do so i did a little look on okay well this is super record it's always it's never meant to be affordable what is this what what is this meant for other brands across their range of the trickle down stuff so shimano 105 di2 for example new now for the entire group set that's 2340 the mechanical version 11 speed is is was about nine hundred dollars retail. You can get it now for six hundred and eighty. So, uh, yeah, that's that one of five do twos. An example of it's just creeping. It's just creeping away. It's just, the ship is sailing away. Um, you get di two. Personally, I really like electronic. I think for a beginner, electronic is no maintenance. It's just a no brainer. It's so much better than mechanical. But 
as they they get make them more expensive, they make them disc only. The one of five DO2 is disc only for a beginner. I think in a lot of places, you know, uh, rim brakes are perfectly fine. Don't need disc, and they're not doing the rim brake anymore. It's all going to be electronic, and you know, the era of a bike under four thousand dollars entry level is going to be gone. Yeah. So okay, there's there's kind of two ways I want to. Um, take this. I hear what you're saying about those people. Those people that we're calling. Yeah. Um, and I was, and I maybe I still am feeling like I need to defend them, but you're breaking me down with this argument now because I'm starting to feel like there are repercussions for their actions. But no, no, no. Well, it's not like it's not an us versus. It's not us. It's not an us versus them. No. It's the brands. It's the brands that are doing it. The manuf- they're the ones that are that are not because they're the ones that are supposed to offer the range of products, and it's they should be able to do both. I feel like yeah, they're not they're starting to creep away from that lower end. So I don't, is it is it's not really about the person that's willing to spend thirty thousand dollars on a bike. It's the br- brands potentially caving in and just going, oh, we can't be bothered making a good value performance group set anymore. And it's the the, the dangerous end of this is. It's like I was saying to you the other day, is it's the disposable nature of what these things have become to the people who have got... And I'm Okay, I don't want to go on and on about it, but it is at this point, from what I can see, people have got into the sport more recently. It's the disposable nature of it. And it's this quote that I've seen a few times, and this is these are people who, you know, the, the only bike they've ridden is a Trek Madone or a Pinarello Dogma with DI2 kind of thing. And I've heard it a few few times now of this thing of oh well you know keep me cycling is going to keep me busy for for a couple more years you know yeah keep me going i'm like what because it was we we're just we are we're like lifelongers and probably most of the people listening and watching this are probably lifelongers and so have a little bit of investment into what's coming in the future Mm. i know that sounds lame but you know what i mean yeah whereas i think there's something here yeah the concept of like oh yeah i'll do this for a couple more years and i'm gonna Get into sailing. Hmm. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Else. You know, meanwhile, is, you know, the, yeah. the, the price of everything's just jacked up because they these guys are they not only are willing to spend it, but they want to spend it. Desperate to. They're desperate to. Which brings me on to my second point. And I reached out to a couple of bike shop um owners and things just around the place, just about this particular release. And I was kind of surprised by 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 the reply of it, one one of the ones which I've talked about a little bit is obviously Cash, and because their clientele is almost that that rider, and it's they kind of think this will be a bit of a litmus test for will this be what do you mean this being the group set? Yeah, yep. this will be a litmus test for that attitude of more expensive, desperately want it, mm-hmm. no matter what. Because there's so many drawbacks to this, especially especially in Australia, because you know the reality is that stock, you know, that was always been the criticism here is it's just getting stock is so hard. And so if you get this group set and spent eight and a half thousand dollars on, and your rear derailleur snaps, you're probably not only up for another four thousand dollars for your rear derailleur, but you probably don't have a derailleur for a few months. So they're they're really interested to see if this will be the kind of straw that breaks the camel's back here it'll sell is there any is there any doubt is it it's gonna sell <laughs> like and it's gonna be profitable for the shops that sell it, mm-hmm. it, 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 it there's always especially in sydney there's demand everyone wants everyone's gonna want it that's i don't have any you know question about whether that's gonna be hot or not mm. oh i do i do yeah what, 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 do you think it's just too? Do you think the price is too high? I think they're just an absolute. I just think it's a really niche market. This, this, so that absolute cashed-up new cyclist. Because this, let's be honest, this has turned off the campy crowd. Mm. There's, there's no die-hard campy person who's seen that and gone, yes, gonna get that on my Colnago C60. I, I mean, I don't think. Uh, prove, prove me wrong. But what, yeah, then it goes into a discussion of all. What is a lot? Because if you can, if you're a bike shop and you sell twenty of these, true. you know potentially that's a good yeah. 
good little sales thing. Yeah, can we? Well, let's. Can we go into the group set sort of wars there? Because I I had a thing about um, the group sets, and I think I think it's done. I think the group set wars are over. I would say <laughs> this 2023, you're buying a new bike. You're going and you're on the Factor website and you're picking your model. I think the group set choice that you're picking is taking up far less mental real estate than it was six years ago. I think most people would just as be as happy as a Tegra Di2, Tram Force, whatever. I'll ride it. Pretty cool. And I ask you, would you ride Shram Red? Yeah, sure. 100%. Cool. Undo it. Yeah. yeah. There you go. I've answered it. We are uh, not anymore. a very good example. We are not. Like, okay, the whole Roglic thing, I, that blew my mind. So the chain comes off. No. Oh, we're going to get onto that. Are we? Yeah. But that's that's the catalyst for my defense here. No, no. Vocal minority. Vo- that's, the, the, that, that's just the people who's like, it's a recreational sport to hate on Shram. That's the very small people. I think most people buying a new bike that aren't in that tiny little slither couldn't care less whether it's SRAM or Shimano. But the 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 SRAM crowd defending it was like, how dare you criticize my youngest child like this? I will defend it with the my with every power in my being. I just couldn't believe that and I do know some of these people. I'm like, why do you care so much? Like, seriously. Besides that, though, if you, if you took that aside, remember, okay, six, seven years ago, you're rocking to a crit. There's a guy on SRAM ETAP 11 speed, and he's the SRAM guy. And you're like, oh, what's it like? He it, he was like this brave warrior, and he, he actively had decided not to buy Shimano. And it was he was a bit kooky. Now it's like, whatever. And I think that's probably kudos to SRAM for capturing so much of the market. But now it's, who cares? It's just... I would have no, I, I think the war is gonna, going to get bigger and better as it goes along, just because the, the reality is that uh, SRAM's market share is still much less than, than Shimano's. And as that gap gets closer and closer and closer, the, you, you, you haven't really seen a pushback in the war from the Shimano crowd, really. They, they, haven't, they haven't started... They're just doing their own thing. They, they pretend the tram doesn't exist, mm-hmm. basically, and which I kind of feel is is a good thing because their products are somewhat different, in a sense, to, to SRAM. That will eventually change. And we'll have our third and fourth parties coming in with the, the L2s and that kind of stuff. So, I don't know, I feel like, yeah, that's it's going to get... I hear what you're saying. I just don't think we're very good examples of this. Well, let's see. Let's, I mean, yeah, well, let's see. I mean, the people in the comments will decide. I, I, I honestly think it's much of a much just now. No one really cares. I'll r- ride whatever. That's my vibe. Mm. All right. Okay. I think I'm done. I but think I'm done. Yeah. If anyone's still listening. It's just if anyone's still listening. Chat. Yeah. Actually, if anyone is still listening, if anyone is still listening, I rode a Campy EPS group set 2016, 17, somewhere around there. Um, on a Legend 11.5. If you own that 11, a Legend 11.5, get in contact with me. I want to buy that back off you and build up a rim brake bike. Ooh, you know yeah. what I mean? The white one. I'll put a picture of it. Mm. Yeah. Juro chat. Anything from the wrap up? I got a few bits from the time trial. That runes are interesting. Marginal gains turning to losses. What a joke that was. Firstly, you got you got um, Garrett Thomas's bike change. It's the time trial the Juro you're trying to win and he's there drops his bike down take the helmet off oh he got a fresh one put it on it's like mate what are you doing meanwhile Primos rolls in off guy catches it on he's gone and Garrett Thomas is there like fixing his hair what the hell are you doing honestly I, I have no words to explain how stupid that was I timed it he lost eight seconds just in the bike change like Eight yeah. seconds. That's you think how much time that is. How many more? What's you have to do to make up eight seconds? Just a joke, an honest joke. I just think they, this these performance directors or what, whoever's organising this stuff is just a clown show. And then you've got Primoz running his special mountain bike, super easy gearing thing, and drops his chain. How many drop? We chatted about it for Worlds TT. Drop chains. It's no good if you drop your chain. Mm. And it wasn't... He hit a pothole and the chain came off. Mm. 
<laughs> what the hell? He almost lost the Juro because his chain came off. Surely we can get a group set together that has easy gearing and doesn't have the chain come off. It. It's what is the, what what they, does stupid. it come off because the the like. Can, could you not just put a derailleur on there to keep it on? Because it was one It was one by, right? It was one by. Okay. I, I don't know why it came off. Did it come off the front? Did it come off the rear? Because I think he was in the easiest gear at the point it came off. Was it because there was no clutch on the derailleur so there wasn't enough tension? Did he need... I don't know if he was running a chain keeper on the front chain ring. I don't know. I just know that people ride mountain bikes over rocks and mm. their chain doesn't come off and mm. Primoz hits a pothole and his chain comes off. Mm. And it is a joke. Mm. It is, like, imagine losing the Giro because your chain comes off. Giro coverage. Did you... Any any takeaways from it? Did you watch GCN? Did you watch... Because, you know, you were talking about how you were going to approach it, whether it was a protocol involved. How did it, how did it formulate? It all the went out the window. Yeah. I barely... I would open the stage on the Giro. Actually, I'd open the highlights package and I would skip through the highlights package just so I could see what had happened. And that's it. So I'd, I'd probably spend five minutes a day on my highlights. That yeah, was I just lost it. I've unfortunately lost interest in actually watching this stuff play out. I just don't care. So I, have it, I had an interesting... Well, I don't know if it was interesting, but... So, again, the way it works in Australia is the race starts about 8.30 p.m., somewhere around there, and they do they roll out from, from the gun, they, they do the coverage. And I found that the first hour of the race, which I would watch live, so um, was not only the most entertaining, but, and I think this just comes down to the fact that they had nothing else to talk about, but... The commentary team, so they would they would start with three people. Mm-hmm. So it was normally uh, Rob Hatch, um, Sean Kelly, and one more. It could be Robbie, uh, could be one of the other guys, and they had them. And there was real good energy in that chat for the first hour, and there was stuff happening because normally breaks were sort of going. And if it was boring, there was good chat for that first hour, and they'd often then cut to the person on the bike. So they would have had um, Contador. I think they had Jens. Jens was good. I kind of liked a bit of Jens. I never really liked him, but I, I like I liked his the way he sort of fitted into that that first hour. Really good. Mm. I reckon they just ran out of steam because you could. I would watch sometimes that last 30, 40 minutes of the actual coverage, not the highlights, and I kind of get the feeling that the commentators had just run out of steam after four hours of commentating that the the energy was gone. Well, the last parts of the stage always play out in slow motion anyway. Mm. I, I should have also said I did the same as you. I would Every night I would watch the start of the stage. So I, I probably, that's the, that five minutes per stage is not true. That's only five minutes of the end. I would always watch maybe until like 11 o'clock at night, the start of the stage, just to clarify. And I 100% agree. But I think that's also just how dynamic the racing is at the start. Generally at the end, it's boring. Everyone's tired and the group's, slowly blowing apart in slow motion so not who mm. cares yeah no no um yeah just wanted to say that because i think that gcn's coverage that's a good formula you had that hour you basically have three people in studio one person out there i rate that i think that was that was really really good and get around it um Giro 2023 done but envy melee yep do you remember that yes i do remember it yeah so Okay, so little little backstory to this. I walked into a bike shop during the week, and there it was, the frame, grey sort of things. And then in the corner, I looked at it, and I was like, that's the Envy, Envy Melee. It's like, I remember when they launched that. And I, remember, I say that because it was kind of a big deal. Well, at least it, it certainly got into my bubble, and it was coming out as this SL7 killer. And... A lot of what I was seeing was probably legit because, you know, Envy is a brand that has a big, well, has a kind of a performance following. The the SL7 crowd would, would kind of buy into that sort of that brand as well. Mm-hmm. And it got me sort of thinking, like, did it flop because it was a shit bike? Did it, did it flop because 
they didn't market it properly. Like any any yeah. thoughts you have for thoughts. So a few things. Firstly, I watched a Oompa Loompa cycling video and the guy had an MV Malay and he he goes into a lot of detail around why I think this flopped. A um, couple of things from that. Firstly, it just doesn't look cool. Mm. It, if you're buying an MV product, you're usually buying it because it looks cool and you love the branding. It's just a gray frame. It looks like it could just be an OEM from a factory anywhere. So the branding, they flopped on it. If you're writing this, no one really knows you're on an Envy. It's only like, it's like the if you know, you know crowd. Mm. So that's probably the ma- the biggest reason. If you're buying an Envy, you're a frother. This is not froth worthy. And then the other thing is it's too, I would say it's too good of a bike. Mm. It's very, from the guy's review on Oompa Loompa Cycling, he said it's very well-rounded. It's very comfortable. The handling's great with the geometry. That's, I'm sorry, that's not selling. Mm. People, it's not getting anyone excited. If it's something, if it's a new product, it has to do something really well. It has to be either really light or really aero, or it has to have some special quality. The Envy Malay is too good of a bike. It's too well-rounded. Why would you buy this? It. I kind of feel like, so it it did the 35 mil tires. I think clearance for 35 mil tires. Yep. And... Uh, eyelids for fenders. Yep. And you're putting it up against the SL7. Mm. Like, yeah, I just don't understand why that was the route you took your bike, which you have this brand that people froth your wheels, your bars, your stem. You, they sort those out because they are so cool and the so performance-orientated. Just, just yeah. I've never ridden any of this, but, yeah. you know, I'd... Oh, man. I'd go so much faster on 100%, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Like, But that bike just didn't tick any of those boxes. I think they totally got it wrong. And also, I did ask Grant a little bit about this, and he mentioned that the way that it was a very difficult bike, well, there was big delays on the bikes actually arriving. So they put an order in, I think in 2020 or 2021, for a big swathe of these bikes, and they didn't turn up for another 10 months. Uh, and so by that point, the buzz of that launch had gone, and they were just stuck with these grey frames with fender mounts. And you're like, well, how am I going to push this out? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the custom, I'm pretty sure the custom geometry ones are still made in the US. So that's unique. The custom frame sizing is very niche, though. I don't think that does much. If you're going, if you're really into the custom route, you're probably Bastion. Yep. You're probably maybe Italian bespoke. You're probably not one going to ride some grey envy. It doesn't yep. really fit. Yeah. But then bringing that to that performance versus froth chat we've continually had, from a lot of the reviews of the envy, it's really good. It's seemingly quite aero, very comfortable. It's probably pretty stiff. I'm sure it's a great bike. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't sell. It doesn't matter if it's a good bike. It has to be froth worthy. And yeah, that's another one in the people buy because of froth, which now that I think of it, I have been saying people buy because of performance. <laughs> Damn it. I'm arguing against myself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got a question for you. So I pulled out of the Cuda race the other week. Yeah. Um, and you went. Yeah. By yourself. Yep. Uh, yes. Your wife didn't go. No, by myself. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested about that because we have discussed this a little bit in the past about, you know, how to make, you know, racing and these events cheaper. You go with a mate, et cetera, et cetera. But how did you find it as a as a flying solo? Like, was it this particular event? Like, you didn't need feed zone, so logistically it's not a challenge. It's very easy logistically. Did you... Okay, but did you enjoy it as a just a solo rider? Like... I enjoyed it because I did well. If I had gone down and... We didn't catch on either because they were a handicap, meaning you go off in your group, you chase the groups in front of you, and then first across the line wins. Everyone mixed together. Now, we, I was in the last group off. We managed to catch. or We almost caught on the first day. One guy stayed away. We caught on the second day, which means we were in it for the win. I got the prize money. I did well. So I was happy. But that could very easily on these handicap weekends. You go on, you don't catch, you get 12th. You get 50 bucks and you just go, this was a complete and utter waste of time. So whether I enjoyed the weekend or not was entirely dependent on getting results, which is not the best way. So for like, let's let's say then going forward, like would you would you be entering an event as a, as a solo and just go down and do it? Or did you 
like oh i almost didn't go yeah no it's it's so much it's so and you're doing a four-hour drive on your own i almost i almost didn't go another problem is new new knew what was on because i was there there was this is now this is a state level race it's run by all cycling new south wales there was not a single photographer on the course there was not a single photo at the finish line at the prize presentations, which had a whole separate, it was at um, like a an RSL club. There was a whole prize presentation. It had a sash, prize money being handed out envelopes. Sash, beautiful. Hmm. There wasn't a, there wasn't even a, there wasn't even someone with a phone there taking photos. So, for this entire weekend, there is not a single digital trace of evidence that it happened, which I find unbelievable because there's probably about ten. Oz cycling New South Wales staff there and not one of them could at least pull out their phone and spend five seconds taking a photo. There's no surprise that no one's going to these events because no one knows they're on. It's just a complete... Unless you really love racing like I do, why would you go? Well, that's that's kind of where I wanted to, to take this because you, as a coach, are you, are you almost having to... Are you trying to sell to your riders to go to some of these? I actively say don't go. The if you're there's some people that are real keen racers and they're trying to develop and I say you've got to get out and do these because they're really useful skills wise and good experience to have. But if you're not that, I say do not waste your time. If it's the worst way to spend a weekend and there's no buzz, it's, there's no hype because no one knows they're all. Which is probably where all the fondos come in. Yep. You know, you, you walk away from a fondo, you've got 700 photos of yourself. There's all these other guys and girls doing it. There's an event village. Yep. A yeah. fondo, a barrel classic, just absolutely takes a dump on a state race weekend. It is not even... You leave Snowy Classic and you're like, wow, I've been to a music concert. I've like participated. That was awesome. You leave these things, if you didn't get any result, you're like, I'm never, ever going to one of these ever again. Uh, and I've said that, I've literally said that to you multiple times. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, why do I bother? I'm damn impressed you went. Yeah. Um, okay, so my next little question for you, I'm just, just hitting you with a few here. Can I just say, I, that sounds a bit negative, but it really is because it, it's not that hard to pull out your phone and take a photo of the people that bloody won the thing. It's the least you could do as the people that organize the race. To not do that, I'm like, you couldn't be any lazier than to not even take a photo. It's it's just, it's sickening. Because the whole, like, you, you were saying, like, because there is, there's a presentation. And it was this really weird scenario because you're doing the presentation for the win. And normally you then, like, turn you to the go, photographer yes. and everyone smiles and yeah. looks. Yeah. And you're there going... What happened? You like walk up, <laughs> shake your hand, take your cash, and oh, go sit down. And I said a speech. <laughs> Would you like to say a few words? <laughs> I'm thinking, for what? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I will because it's uh, it, like the, 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 these races really sad because these races are run by the local clubs, the volunteers, Kudamundra Cycling Club. The ex, it's really, it's really you. So you say it's three raw. things because it's these people are spending their time putting these events on, and it's like not their fault. But you know, you're saying this speech to a room of people uh, and yeah, it's fun it's yeah, very awkward yes yeah and as a, a the reason i brought that up is like as a solo person like you're not able to share that chat with anyone you're just sort of like just there going right or <laughs> next i suppose mm. yeah anyone um yeah i i was very impressed that you went put it that I'm way so close to yeah I, I was i was very impressed and um, yeah the, the only other thing i was going to ask you then is so before I got sick, I was doing a good bit of local club racing. Okay, and I have a I have a unsubstantiated theory. Uh, there we go. In, uh, that's a, yep. that's a segment we used to do. Oh, we've done. Yeah, we've got we've it. Done it. Research Here we fact. Go. Unresearched yes. fact that coaches you are killing local racing. Okay. Hear me out. Wow. Hear me out. All right. So not at a B grade, C grade kind of level because I I do feel that most coaches are are letting quote unquote their their riders do these races but there's this next step up and i think the the coach starts to take on a bit more of a no the you your your race calendar is because you probably got a race calendar now right you're starting to get to that level so you've got maybe four or five events this year maybe not that many but around that sort of thing and 
a local club race is viewed poorly by said coach because obviously it's not a um uh, uh what am I trying to say? It's uh there's no set sort of metrics from it. It's not a not a particular session. It's hard to work out sort of the, the benefits of it from that perspective. So and just my the pure on the ground numbers that I've seen, it's B grade, great numbers. 15 riders plus. Mm-hmm. A grade, barely three people. I think, I mean, I personally couldn't disagree. I, I'm killing it. Racing, killing it. Get out there and race to all the people I coach. But the, uh, I would, I reckon there's more people with coaches in B grade than A grade. Oh, I agree. Yep. And uh, that that's that's kind of my point. Like, the, But so the, so the A graders that aren't showing up, mm-hmm. a lot of them aren't coached. I, I I can't I don't see it I, I don't see it because a lot of the a lot of the people I'm thinking of where I'm thinking why aren't you rocking up and racing they don't have coaches see I thought you were going to come back at me and say no it's not the coaches it's the online training platforms oh Tabor. okay that's another story yeah I thought that's where you were going to take that this. does that is a problem that is okay. yeah because that to to an online bot coaching bot Going out and doing a crit is just junk. It's like, what is this? It's, it's just every zone, the zone buffet, as we would call it, just a little bit of everything. It's a, it's a, yeah, to a, to a algorithm, it's junk. Okay. So definitely, that. and it's hard to video. And then, oh, what if I go and do that crit on the Saturday? And then, oh, then my Sunday workout's kind of screwed. And then, then I'm not sure what to do Monday. I don't have anyone to change it for me. So yes, that can definitely be, that's definitely a factor. But just in terms of coaching. There's a most of the A graders I can think of, in, at least in Sydney, probably don't have a coach. That mm. that um that aren't showing up. My my only other take on it was that racing's too hard, and like the actual races does actually fuck you. Like it, even a forty minute crit or an hour crit is like, yeah, it's a de- no. You know, I just feel like well, in Sydney, I think it is. In a, a lot of the time, it's it, a lot of the from the riders I coach, a lot of the time the racing isn't that hard. Okay. And then it really ends up becoming junk because you've gone and done this race and the trainer hasn't had that much of a training benefit and maybe you've done a few attacks and sprinted at the end. And then so people probably, yeah, do start to go, well, this is not really achieving much training-wise. But our crits in Sydney probably are, yeah. Like there's that classy thing if you do a Sunday crit here, like... By lunchtime on Sunday, you're like, oh my God, when will this day end? <laughs> Especially when you do that Southern Cross one, which is just like 40 minutes of the VO2 effort the whole mm. time. It's because our crits are always in parks or they're really hard courses. A lot of the time, in, in other for people listening in other parts of the world, it would be a rectangle in an industrial park and you're doing 100 watts in the wheels. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. All right, thank you very much for watching this week. Again, guys, share this video on to people who you think might be down for this sort of stuff. That actually is the best way for us to keep growing. All right, JC. See you next week. See you next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.